uh, just like I had when I was a boxer. And that virtue of that magnanimity has brought that out. And virtue of magnanimity, when you do that, it's going to allow you to do something honorable and remarkable that's going to have an impact beyond you. It's going to have an impact by those that surround you. Welcome to Ultra Habits. Here, we go under the hood with our guests to unpack the minutiae and to understand what processes and systems they engage or research that result in ultra-enhanced living. Hector Colon is the president and CEO of Lutheran Social Services of Wisconsin and Upper Michigan. He's a speaker and author, and prior to that, he served as executive director of health and human services at Milwaukee County and is vice president of the USA Boxing Board. Now, boxing is something that has shaped Hector's character and from which he's learned the five virtues for life and leadership. How does someone go from boxing to a boardroom? And that's what we're here to discuss today. Rewinding the tape, it was 1982. Hector Cologne was nine years of age, and all he wanted to do was play baseball with the neighborhood kids. Instead, he ended up receiving racist insults, punch in the face, and came home with a bloody nose, and his dad said, you are going to learn to defend yourself. He ultimately landed in the hands of famed boxing coach Israel Shorty Acosta, and Shorty quickly recognized Hector's natural talent, and he took Hector to become a seven-time national champion competing all over the world with the United States national boxing team. He was also favored to go to the Barcelona 92 Olympics, but lost a defining match. He was devastated, obviously. And in those moments permeated by failure and hopelessness, Hector realized he had been focusing on the wrong things. He had kept thinking about the potential multi-million dollar contracts instead of working on his mind, body, and spirit. And that's when he bought his first Bible, and that ultimately changed his life. Now, with his newly found faith, Hector's mindset started to rapidly change, and he ultimately decided to make the huge decision of leaving boxing. And this is at the peak of his career. Now, Hector's now guiding one of the Midwest's largest non-for-profits while sharing his story with his speaking and book, in which you'll find the five virtues Hector has learned from his boxing career, his business career, and a strong connection with his God and faith. That's what we're here to unpack today, those five virtues and how do we habituate them into our lives. This, this is a dynamic conversation with a man that is truly driven by faith, by purpose, and he doesn't hold any punches You know when we talk about how the decision to leave boxing has impacted his life. You know, he misses it. You can tell he really loves boxing, but ultimately it didn't align with how he felt he needed to live his life. And that represents life. We all have choices. We all make sacrifices. We all have competing interests. And how do we pursue our purpose with so many options? And with those options, what do we have to lay to rest to really focus on pursuing our true north. Well, we're going to leave you in the capable hands of Hector. I really hope you enjoy this interview. As always, please do leave us a review, rate this podcast over and out, guys. Peace. 
All right, Hector, welcome to the Ultra Habits podcast. Some technical difficulties. I'm here in Australia. You're in Milwaukee, I believe, right? Yes. Yeah, so it's an interesting morning. I'm doing this uh, interview from a hotel. The coffee machine's broken. I've drank. I've I've been drinking decaffeinated coffee, pretending it's real. So we're gonna see. We're gonna see how we go. I haven't had a proper coffee yet, but uh, just really wanted to welcome you to the show again. Thanks for joining us, man. Thank you, RJ. So happy to be here with you. Thank you. For sure. I came across you in an interview that you did with Mike Malatesta. And I was really interested in your your five virtues for life and leadership. And it's obviously, you know, there, there's a lot of habits in there. And I felt that our audience could get some major benefits from having you on the show. Before we go into all that, though, let's talk about where you hail from. Where are you from? How did you grow up, Hector? Yeah, so uh, I grew up in the near south side of Milwaukee. Most of my parents are from Puerto Rico. So they came from Puerto Rico uh, for better opportunity for work. Uh, and I was born and raised here. Uh, originally, I grew up in a neighborhood that uh, some, of, some of the individuals there did not welcome uh, people with the color of my skin. And one particular individual, his name was Adam, you know, would bully me, would call me a spick, uh, the N-word, and didn't want me in his neighborhood. And one time he hit me in the face and came home humiliated, um, my self-esteem wounded, uh, crying with blood on my my face and my shirt. And I uh, ended up seeing my father and he said, what happened? Get the paso. And I, I told him that I was being bullied. And he told me that he was going to take me to the boxing gym so that I can learn how to defend myself so that wouldn't happen again. And that was a great thing. A uh, huge um, event that happened in my life. And getting into boxing was a big blessing for me. When he decided to do that, like, were you excited? Were you scared? Because I know you had aspirations to become a baseball player, right? Yeah, that's right. I, I was uh, very interested in baseball. My father played baseball, a lot of Puerto Ricans. That's that's our sport, boxing too. But uh, no, I was intimidated at first. Uh, I saw a lot of guys there that, you know, they were big and very intimidating. And uh, I was kind of scared, to be honest, and was not interested at first. How did you, I'm interested because you were, you were young, but I think it's still relevant for our audience. Like, how did that transition occur from fearful kid to I got this? Like, was that a slow process or was there just this moment of confidence? Is it in the coaching, in the coach's ability to build your confidence? Like, what was that process? It's it's a lot of things. So I, I think first, um, you know, the coach, my coach, I had an amazing coach. His name is Israel Acosta. Uh, they call him Shorty. Uh, he's a giant in my life and a giant in the community. He instilled confidence in me. So I remember he put me in front of the mirror and started showing me some boxing combinations and immediately he told my coach, my, my father, your son is a natural. He's going to become a champion. And he had this overwhelming confidence in me and my ability. And so that really helped a lot. When you end up getting into that ring, um, it takes a lot of courage. You know, I don't care who you are, Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield, or Hector Colón, you're going into that ring with fear. But it really is that dedication 
that determination and that discipline that ends up giving you that confidence to get into that ring. And then when you win, um, you know, that's even more confidence. For me, I'd say it was my second uh, junior Olympic national title that really, uh, I really believed after that I had, I had a gift because if uh, I'm on the books with some of the greatest who have ever graced the ring, you know, like Sugar Ray Leonard and Mike Tyson and some really big names that are on that list along with me, I believe I'm the only, I'm only one of two to win the junior Olympic national title back-to-back years. Uh, I heard that from somebody else. I do need to verify that information, uh, but I was told that I'm only one of two individuals that have won it. We'll take that. I like it. I like it. We'll take that. We'll take that at face value, man. Look, we're not too stressed about it. I mean, I think the the message is is valid in terms of what you're conveying. So let's talk about the boxing journey. And I think it's always interesting when you look at boxers and their trainers, particularly in boxing, which is combative. I mean, you look at the legendary relationship with people like Customato and Mike Tyson and how he was groomed and how uh, there was a unique kind of beautiful relationship there. I think in many ways, Mike wanted to live up to Cuz's dedication and, and kind of answer the call. You know, let's talk about that relationship with your coach, like how reflecting back did that process kind of like when you reflect on that process and in that engagement that you had with your coach, like how did that start to define you as a boxer over the course of, 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 of that journey? Yeah. So Shorty played a huge role in my life. Like I said, first, he built up my, my self-esteem and my confidence. I mean, there wasn't, he just had this overwhelming confidence in me. So that was, that was very positive. Uh, but he also uh, really was like a second father to me. You know, my father left to Puerto Rico when I was 12 years old. And so my father was, I loved him so much. He played a huge role in my life and now he's gone. No money, no support, just gone from my life. And my coach stepped into being like a second father to me, being there for me. When I was 16, he took me into his own home where he loved me, fed me, and made sure I could be a champion both inside and outside of the ring. You know, I talk about the virtue of humility in the context of serving others is one of the virtues I talk about. And Shorty exhibited that virtue by, you know, spending his nights with me, sacrificing his vacations for me, again, took me into his own home where he loved me and fed me. And so uh, Shorty played a huge role in my life and who I am today. So in, in, in the boxing journey, you're, you get involved in Olympics, you're, you're training. At what point do you start to come at odds with what boxing requires of you? Mm-hmm. So uh, on that journey, I mean, from a, when I was 14 years old, uh, I knew that I wanted to be a professional boxer. Um, and I was working really hard to obtain that. I was a seven-time national champion competing all over the world with the United States national boxing team. When I lost, and then my hopes was to make the Olympic Olympic team in 1992. Um, you know, I was so excited at that point. Uh, I was already looking at that gold medal, that multi-million dollar contract. I was distracted by my surroundings and I was not focused. 
for the most important opportunity in my life. And I went to the Olympic trials and I lost uh, and I was devastated. I wasn't hearing from those big time promoters about the millions. I was no longer going to get that gold medal. And for me, that that uh, I was searching um, and trying to find uh, myself. And I ended up finding God on December 27, 1992. I went to Holy Hill and bought my first Bible and I gave my life to Christ on that day. And uh, six months later, I did fight the guy that robbed me of my Olympic dreams. And this time I knocked him out in the first round for the U.S. championship. That fight was on cable television, came out on the front cover of uh, uh, inside cover of uh, Sports Illustrated, uh, front cover of USA Boxing Magazine. I started to get attention from the promoters again, but I put it through a year of prayer and discernment, and uh, I ended up feeling a strong calling away from the sport. Hardest decision I ever made in my life, but I walked away uh, from potential millions, but uh, I'm so happy that I have my brains, I have my wife and my children who I my my um, my children who I maybe I wouldn't have had if I would have went to the Olympics and ended up turning professional. So I feel blessed, even though there's a pinch in the heart of what could have been. Uh, and you know, in the sport of boxing, you know, making the Olympics would have been awesome. Uh, but I'm so much better off by uh, with my life right now. Yeah, and we're gonna jump into because I think you have a complicated relationship with boxing. You know, that's my view, right? And I think you maybe would agree with that. I think there's a, there is a complicated relationship with, with boxing that we'll, we'll get into. You're now the CEO of the Lutheran Social Services. Can you talk about what you guys do? I know that you've guys done some great work in the refugee space. Can you give the audience more of a flavor of what you guys are doing? Yeah, so we serve about 30,000 individuals on an annual basis, 93% of which indicate that we improve their quality of life. To a child in crisis who has nowhere to turn, a family in turmoil that might be facing eviction, someone experienced severe persistent mental illness or addiction, you know, an elderly person or somebody with a disability that needs just a little bit of help to live independently and, or successfully, or that refugee that's fleeing from war and persecution. We provide services to those individuals, individuals who have incredible odds stacked up against them to give them the opportunity to reach their full potential, help them be contributing members of society. That's our number one goal is uh, to bring out the best in them. Uh, it's tough from the perspective of the emotional stories that we see and the struggles that are real amongst the people that we serve. But then it's also very inspiring and uplifting with the difference that we're able to make in the lives of some of these individuals. So I'd say it's 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 tough, but super inspiring. And really, for me, it's my calling. How do you know when, in your opinion, when something is your calling? Right. So you said earlier, you you know, you have from time to time that pinch of what could have been with with boxing i think it's interesting for our audience to know like i have that pinch too with certain things but i also feel it's not my path and it's easy to get confused right like how do you know what's your barometer of your true north 
versus just things that are pull, pulling you away. You know what I mean? Yeah, great question. I, I think I had a great example uh, from my mother in terms of her service to others and, and servant leadership. You know, when my father left, my mother worked two and sometimes three jobs to support the family. And she has a seventh grade education. And not only did she support us, but she would bring in homeless people and we would serve the hungry. And my mother never complained. Not once did I see my mother complain. And to this day, my mother is 73 years old and she's out there trying, you know, serving others and helping others. And so I, I learned that from a very young age uh, from my mother. And so that I naturally gravitate towards wanting to serve others. And the philosophy of servant leadership is something that really appeals to me. And so I've been on a journey in my career. And I really felt that um, when I was called to serve as the CEO at LSS, it's been uh, four years now since I've been in the organization. I really feel that this is a perfect organization uh, for me. It's a, it's a large organization with a big impact. We're 60 million in revenue, about 800 staff, uh, all of Wisconsin, Upper Michigan, with a great impact on, on people that need help. And so for me, it felt like a perfect match. Mm. You're swimming in your purpose, yes. as a close friend of mine would say. Yeah. And I think it's easy. I think like, you know, when we have a pull towards something, I think it's really important, especially for in that place in our lives that we want to swim in our purpose to understand where that pull is coming from. Is it vanity? Is it just because it's kind of cool to do? Because it can be quite confusing, right? For For an individual looking at different opportunities. And I think that your you go down to your your values and i think that's key when we're making these kind of decisions so what i want to do is jump into some of that complicated relationship with boxing i mean there was a lot of learnings for you right obviously you you wrote a book my journey from the from boxing ring to boardroom so uh, let, let's talk about the five virtues for life in leadership, Hector. What are what is that? What are those? Yeah. So first, uh, magnanimity. Uh, magnanimity is really about striving for greatness. You know, Alexander Havard, uh, the author of Creative for Greatness, says that that's the virtue of personal excellence. And, um, you know, I learned that virtue in the sport of boxing. So you have to have daily habits daily rituals and daily routines that's going to really bring out the best in you. So I would wake up every morning. It wouldn't matter if it below zero degrees, snow on the ground, I'm out there running and I'm talking to myself. I'm saying Vernon Forrest, who's my most fiercest competitor at the time, you know, he's not running in the snow. And then I would work out in the afternoon and I'd work out two to three hours in the evening. I'd wake up early. I'd go to sleep early. I'd eat right. I'd view the videotapes of some of the greatest who have ever graced the ring. I was living, I learned that virtue, uh, those daily habits, those daily rituals in the sport of boxing that are really important to bring out the best in you. It's what made me a champion. But now I, I use that virtue in, and I have a plan of life today. You know, um, I wake up in the morning and start with prayer. Uh, I read spiritual reading, professional development, 
I work out, I try to eat right, I, I meditate, I say little prayers throughout the day, you know, giving thanks uh, for what I have, you know, little things just really throughout the day that, and then at the end of the night, I do an examination of conscience. You know, what did I do well today? Uh, what didn't I do so well today? And then I try to get to the root of why I didn't do so well on certain things uh, today. And then I try to make a commitment to myself to not repeat those things tomorrow and to repeat the things that I did well. So I have a plan of life today, uh, just like I had when I was a boxer. And that virtue of that magnanimity has brought that out. And virtue of magnanimity, when you do that, it's going to allow you to do something honorable and remarkable that's going to have an impact beyond you. It's going to have an impact by those that surround you. Mm. Yeah, I think that is a big one. Excellence in conduct, right? Like we are who we be. And I, I think that, you know, faith and trust is really important, but faith without works is dead, as we say in Alcoholics Anonymous, right? Like we've got to put in the work. And I think that is exemplified by your example there. I'm keen to know how, when you reflect on your day and you know you haven't traveled well or you haven't moved with grace and you're reflecting on the route how do you do that like what's do you just really kind of dig down as to what was going on for you within yourself do you kind of prey upon it like how do you how do you do that root cause analysis i guess yeah so again that that examination of conscience uh pulling out the great things that i've done and and cherishing that and being proud of that and and wanting to repeat that is very important part of the process. But yeah, going deep on those things that I'm not doing well uh, is really important, you know, and trying to get to the root, you know, is this something, you know, did I react this way because of how I was bullied in the past and I don't want to be bullied again? You know, um, that has happened. You know, I, I don't like bullies. Right. And so, but I got to uh, practice temperance, which is one of, uh, one of the other virtues and, and making sure I don't overreact to things because maybe I don't want to be bullied again. Um, so it's it's really important to go to the root there and try to identify what is causing my reaction. And uh, it's a good learning experience. And uh, I think it's very effective at at making sure that when you do it that way, you don't you won't make those uh, similar mistakes in the days to come. Yeah, look, I'm, I was interested in that because in Alcoholics Anonymous, we do the daily inventory. And what I typically find is that most of uh, the the negative stuff comes down to my fear. I think in some way there's fear playing there. Um, so I think that's interesting and I think it's a great habit. What are the other four virtues, Hector? Yeah, so humility from the context of serving others, the old philosophers, uh, Aristotle and Plato uh, talked about it from the context of serving others. And so humility, I, I, I talked a little bit about that in the past, uh, earlier, is my coach taught me that virtue, that virtue of service to me. You know, he made sure that I could be the champion. He spent his nights, his weekends, his sacrificed his vacations for me. He was serving me in the corner 
you know, I was the one with my hands raised and he's the one in the background smiling, you know, so I learned, um, you know, his humble servant leadership that really impacted my life in such an extraordinary way. And then I also learned that from my mother and I, I touched on that as well. You know, she's always trying to serve others. She's always trying to make other lives better. And so because of Shorty and my mother, uh, I really gravitate towards servant leadership and that virtue of humility of, of, of really focusing on others. Uh, it's not about not valuing or focusing on yourself. It's just about how you can focus on others more. Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting one. So, you know, so as a leader, by being outwardly focused and focused on the people around you and by enabling them, you effectively enable yourself too, don't you? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, I believe in a lot of appreciation, in recognition. And you know what? I'm the CEO, but that doesn't mean that here's my my vision, my direction, and my strategy, go execute it. I, I believe in co-creating all of that with my team. These individuals are brilliant. They're smart. Um, they have the answers and insights that, that I don't have. And when we do that together, you create buy-in, you create support, and, and you create a team. And uh, none of us by ourselves can do anything we do without each other. Hmm. What's your third principle, Hector? Yeah. So perseverance. And this is the virtue of, of not giving up. You know, I think, and, and uh, I think there are so many people that are so fearful of, of, of losing, of failing. And uh, it's that virtue of perseverance that takes us above and beyond that. And so I learned that in boxing too, right? So I, I lost my first fight and wanted to give up. And my coach was like, don't give up, champ. Let's do this again. And then I lost my second fight and really wanted to give up. But here, here you are. You go into the ring. You have this intense fear. Then you lose. Then you start crying and you're humiliated. There's nothing fun about that. So I really wanted to give up. But it was the way my coach talked to me. He said, come on, champ. You have natural abilities. You can become a champion and do incredible things. Don't give up, champ. Come on, champ. And uh, and look, you know, I stuck in there. Third time's a charm. I became a seven-time national champion, competing all over the world. Um, and and all that boxing has taught me because I didn't give up. You know, then I, when I did when I did leave the sport because I was called in a different direction, I went into school, and I scored embarrassingly low on my entrance exam. But I worked really hard, and I graduated with a 3.83 uh, with a with an honor honor roll. My master's degree, 3.83. I was the only student in my class to publish my thesis in the American Journal of Occupational Therapy. But then I take my first occupational therapy entrance exam, so I can practice occupational therapy, and I failed. I didn't study it at all because I was honor roll this, and I thought it was smart, and uh, and I failed. And then I said, Well, I'm a fighter. So I'm going to take that test again and I'm going to pass it. You know, I have barely failed. So I barely studied just a little bit more so I could pass and I failed again. And this time I was wounded. 
I was like, man, what am I going to do? I can't pass this test. At the same time, I saw Vernon Forrest, who I beat twice, become a multimillionaire, four-time world champion. Jose Antonio Rivera, who I knocked out, become a three-time world champion. And I thought maybe I should just go back to boxing. It would be so much easier. Then I heard that echo of that voice of that giant shorty say, don't be a quitter, champ. Come on, champ, don't be a quitter. I just heard that voice. And this time I studied with the rigor and intensity. It took me to be an honor roll student finally to pass that test. And my rise to the CEO, I was passed up for two major opportunities that I really thought I was going to get. And then I eventually got LSS. The point here is we have to be willing to fail to reach our full potential. If we're never failing, we're probably never going to reach our full potential. So that's so important. And then that perseverance behind it, working hard to, to achieve. But, but don't be ashamed. L take it as a learning opportunity. And again, to help you reach your full potential. That's, there's a lot in that, Hector. I, I want to ask you a question. When you reflect on your capacity for perseverance, does it come from your tough background, being a boxer, or your faith? Like, where do you think it comes from? Like, is it, you know, because I think it's, it's an interesting question. I, I just want to know, particularly with you, where does your grit come from? Is it faith? Is it... Is it that that those habits of being a boxer or do you leverage, you know, your tough upbringing or is it all the above? I think it's all of the above. I, I'd start off with I, I probably have uh, some in some of it is innate. I just have a natural fighting spirit. Uh, uh, obviously, a lot of it comes from boxing. Uh, the fact that I learned how to bounce back and um, and learn from that loss and, and how that made me better. I think certainly my background, uh, my tough background, you know, where I grew up and, uh, you know, just seeing um, lots of things as as a young child, you know, seeing my sister addicted to drugs and how later on she overcame that. Um, so I think it's a combination of all those things that uh, really helped me with the virtue of perseverance. When you decided to pivot out of boxing with short is shorty alive he is alive yes he is what was his reaction you know it was hard um you know lots of tears uh more by me than him uh but he was mad i have to be honest uh there was this beautiful picture of of me and him in my locker where i'm knocking jesse Brasino out and he's lifting me up it's a really nice picture and uh, he crumpled that up and threw it in the garbage. Uh, and he he was a little upset, obviously. But we have a great relationship. Um, he is so proud of the man uh, that I've become and how um, I utilize boxing to, to really achieve uh, something great in my personal life. So he's so happy for me and, and uh, we continue to be very close. And what we wanted to achieve together uh, would have been awesome and great. And I think we would have achieved greatness. Uh, we would have done very well together. So to know that we weren't going to do that uh, was really hard and difficult for me and, and, and hurt me a lot in the beginning. Wow. 
it's truly because I, I can tell sitting here boxing is still a big part of you it, it's it's complicated isn't it and 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 we'll get to that in a minute but let, let's let's focus on the virtues before i i lose myself i can tend to go on tangents but what's the fourth virtue yeah uh temperance so temperance is about self-control and restraint and you learn that virtue in the sport of boxing if you get hit with a low blow and the referee doesn't see it you can't retaliate with a low blow because now the referee might see it and you'll get disqualified or before the fight, there's a lot of smash talking and you can't allow that to get to your, to your head. You got to stay composed and calm and, and make sure you don't lose temperance and self-control. And then there's lots of temptations and things that lots of people do that distracts them. You have to be strong and have self-control. So it's very important uh, virtue that I learned in the sport of boxing. That's so essential for success as a CEO. You know, don't overreact to things. You know, uh, you're, you know, when you're the CEO, not everybody's going to like you. And they might say some things that are, that are not so good. And, or there might be some temptations out there that really distract you. And you, you got to stay strong and temperance is such an important virtue that doesn't really get talked about a lot, but it's so important for success and leadership. It's one that I need to probably apply more into my life. I, I go in with best of intentions in a lot of situations and I get pulled right into my emotions, man. And uh, I think getting lost in the problem for me is huge. And so like there'll be a challenge and I'll be very reactive. And I think what you just said there uh, is a very important lesson, not only for me, but I'm sure the the audience of maintaining perspective and holding it together in the face of, you know, what's a potential crisis or a problematic situation, right? That's right. Take a pause, you know, just pause, reflect uh, before you react because you don't want to do something that could literally ruin your life and career. Temperance is so important. The fifth virtue? Yeah, courage. And that's about facing your fears. And I learned that in boxing, right? Because there's no greater curse than entering into that ring. It's you feel fear, but that dedication, determination, and discipline gives you the confidence uh, to get in there. And uh, and we need lots of courage uh, in our lives to stand up to a bully, to you know, stand up to the partisan politics that exists in our world was it's so polarizing and so divisive and doesn't have to be that way, but it takes somebody with courage to stand up and say enough uh, is enough or business, business ethics and making sure you have courage to always want to do the right thing. So courage is, is so important. Again, I learned that in the sport of boxing and I think it has been a good virtue that I brought into my life, uh, into my role as a CEO and and just my life and leadership. A bit of a complicated question. I'm going to ask you: How do you think an individual can train themselves to be more courageous? Because I think it's a habit. I think it's an action. Like, is do you have a view on someone how they can actually evolve that muscle? Yeah, that's 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 a great question. I, I think it goes 
when I think about the boxing, like what gave me that um, confidence to enter into that ring? Again, it was dedication, determination, and discipline, and and the work that ended up giving me the, the confidence and the courage to get into that ring. So similarly, I, I, I think you got to have that in order to give you courage. You don't just wake up sometimes with courage, right? Um, uh, by the way, I, I don't think that, you know, I, I talked about, um, I don't know if that's innate in anybody, right? You have to develop that uh, in order for you to, to, to want to do something that really is extraordinary and that's going to benefit many, uh, many other people. I, I agree with you, Hector. I think that, you know, that cliche of uh, competence builds confidence. I, I agree with that, right? Like we see people do things and we think they're superheroes, but we don't acknowledge the thousand hours, 10,000 hours, 20,000 hours of dedication and training. A friend of mine, Anthony Trucks, uh, ex-NFL player, he says, you know, what I do in the dark, like is going to, you know, see me out in the light. You know, like, you know, all that training, you know, all that dedication is what's going to get me there on game day. So I I do agree with you. Now, just as we start to, to, to kind of wind the conversation down, I want to focus on your relationship with boxing because I know, you know, you're still involved with the sport. And I was reading somewhere, you know, like you've got a son and you don't necessarily want your son to be involved in boxing. So how does that work? Like you're, you're involved in the sport, you value the sport, but you still have an issue with the sport. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's complex. Like you said, um, first of all, boxing really helped create the person that I am today. And for that, uh, I am so thankful and have, a huge sense of gratitude for what the sport has done in my life. And that just will never change. Um, you know, there is the conflict about when I gave up the sport, it was really uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that really convicted me where it says we're, champ we're, we're temples of the Holy Spirit. What do you do to yourself? You do unto God. And I imagine myself hurting a person, which is a temple, and hurting myself, which is inevitable in the sport of boxing. And that's what really convicted me and, and drove me and led me away from the sport. But me being uh, right now, I'm, I'm the vice president of USA uh, Boxing. Um, so these are elite boxers that decided that they wanna get into the sport. And my role as a board member is to ensure the safety, the integrity of the sport is maintained that these boxers are provided with all of the resources and facilities to help bring out the best in them. They made the decision. I'm not, I'm not bring imposing my decision or why I gave up boxing on others. That's my decision. So it was personal. And if somebody wants to probe me more about that, I, I share it with them, but everybody's entitled to their decision, but these boxers, they're elite and they've gotten to this level because that's what they want to do. So now that they're there, I could be a, a good role model for them. I could make sure that I can tell them about my journey and how promoters try to take advantage of you 
you know, I got offered $25,000 and right away I said, you know, that's going to buy me, that could buy me a car, but that's not going to buy me a career. You know, they'll give you peanuts literally. And, and so they take advantage of you. So I, I like to be there for them as a role model. I like to be in the sport so that I can ensure that there continues to be integrity and discipline and that it continues to be a safe sport. Uh, so really that's my role there. Um, I know it, it appears as if it could be a conflict, um, but but no, I, I don't believe so. And and honestly, no, I don't want my my son to box. You know, I it's a dangerous sport. It's a dangerous sport. And I'm I'm even more afraid of, of my son because he's a natural athlete. You know, whatever he does, he's just good at. And so I am a little worried that he wants to get into boxing. He becomes good and he wants to take it serious. Boxing is dangerous. The board, the brain is not supposed to be hit like that. You see the boxers, you know, a lot of the guys that I competed with by the age of 35, you know, 40, they already had dementia. And so that's, that's a factor. It, the brain is not supposed to be hit that way. But then the surroundings of boxing and the negative lifestyle that just naturally a part of the game is, is not healthy. It's not, it's not something that I believe my son needs to be involved in. Now, I needed that. You know, I had a broken family. Um, I was 12 years old. My mom is working two and three jobs. My sister is addicted to drugs. And here I am home alone trying to figure it out. Boxing gave me that structure, that discipline in order for me to um, overcome those significant barriers I had as a young child. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Hector, first of all, I would say that the ability for you to suspend some of your personal beliefs to help foster a healthy environment for young boxers is remarkable. I think that we all know that boxing is a sport where young men get taken advantage of, right? Like they're, a lot of them are poor. A lot of them get into it because it's the only way. Let's just keep it real. And they're preyed upon. And I think that you're there with the values you have, you can steward them in the right way. So I think that is not a conflict. Um, and it's interesting. Mike Tyson was on the Joe Rogan show some time ago and you know, they were joking about his son wanting to get in boxing. And he's like, can you imagine, you know, my son coming up against someone like me 20 years ago? Because his son's been raised differently, right? Obviously, he doesn't have the same broken home situation and, and background that Mike Tyson came from. I mean, they're like kind of laughing about it, you know, and, and, you know, to some degree, your son may also want to fulfill his dad's kind of I don't know, footsteps in terms of what you did. And, you know, then, you know, children are rebellious to a degree as well. So like you've got all this going on. So I could understand how and where your view is, you know, so I think it's interesting. And I like, I like people when they're complex, man, that's life, right? We all hold varying views at the same time. So look, I think what we'll do is we'll bring it to a, a close, Hector. I really want to appreciate you for your time. Um, your mission orientation is remarkable. You got a great story. And again, thank you for coming on the show for our audience that want to read your book or learn more about you or your organization. Hector, where can they find out 
more. Yeah, thank you so much. So my book, My Journey from Boxing Ring to Boardroom, Five Essential Virtues for Life and Leadership. You can find it on my website, uh, HectorColonMKE.com, or you can purchase it on Amazon. But on my website, if you ever want me to be a keynote speaker for one of your main events, I will definitely bring out the champion in you. So please call me uh, for, <laughs> for that opportunity. And then also, if you want to uh, come into the family of LSS and help us make a difference in the lives of over 30,000 individuals on an annual basis, please visit our website, lsswis.org, um, you know, and find out more about what we're doing and uh, support us if you can. And uh, we really appreciate it. You could also find me on uh, my my handles are pretty much Facebook and LinkedIn, uh, HectorColongMKE.com. Yeah, and we'll have that in the show notes too. So they will be able to find that. So anyways, Hector, we will wrap it up. Thank you for joining us on Ultra Habits, man. Really appreciated it. Thank you, RJ. And, and hopefully you get to Wisconsin or I get to Australia. We can meet in person and and uh and chat and break some bread and get together yeah for sure man for sure for sure all right take Take, care huh take it easy thank you bye-bye